because depression is your mind telling you to be unmotivated, not do anything, just lie there forever. Yeah. But I had to fight that really, really hard because now I'm saying to myself, this is me. I am standing where I'm all by myself at this time. And I really, really, <laughs> I can't sit there and just, you know, not do something about this. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombat, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African Podcast. I am Anya, your host. And today we will be talking about mental health. We will definitely continue this conversation as we did in season one. So I have back here with me Patience Abonge, who was one of my guests in season one. And we held a conversation last year, last May, I believe, which was Mental Health Awareness Month. And we spoke about her experience with mental illness. And so she's right back to give us some updates on the things that have happened in her life since she last shared her story with us. So I am super glad to have you here, Patience. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me on your podcast again. I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your story again. On um, The last time you did share your story, it was very empowering to a lot of people. And for those who have not listened to her story, you can go back to one of the earlier episodes in season one to listen to it. It was very empowering. And, you know, when you reached out to me or when we actually spoke and I, you know, just checked on you and you said, you know, you told me what had happened. I was like, I think it would be great for you to come back to the podcast and, you know, share your story again. Because one thing people don't understand is that mental illness or even just mental health, you know, protecting your mental health is a continuous effort, is a continuous, you know, thing especially if for those who are being impacted, it's not just like a one-time thing. It's actually very, very long-term. So I wanted you to come back for us to continue where we left off last year so that we can continue enlightening people and educating people about mental illness and making people to be more aware and sensitized about this disease. So can you please reintroduce yourself and just give us a quick background about your experience with mental illness from, you know, the last time that, you know, you were here? My name is Apeshant Abonga. I'm a mom of two. My first son being autistic and I would say I, I am a mental health advocate for myself, as I put it, and equally sharing my story out there to help people gain awareness about mental illness or the things that can cause or make someone to become mentally ill. I took a break. I've been off social media for a while for personal reasons, which it's part of me relapsing and going back into hospital in July of last year. Last year, I was in, on your podcast in May and Unfortunately, or I would say fortunately, I was back in hospital with the same experience of psychosis, anxiety, and bipolar, which is manic depression. So on your podcast last year, my experience is I've been in a mental institution three good times, which was in 2016, 2018, and again, 2021. Fortunately, as you said, mental illness is an ongoing thing that if not treated or if you don't address the root causes, like going back to the things that actually cause this mental illness in the first place, you will keep relapsing, just like what my um, psychiatrist said. You can 
the mental ill many times. That is if these problems are not addressed, which have to do with a lot of emotional and, and, and psychological issues. So, yeah, I had a relapse in July. Yeah. Well, first of all, I am so sorry to hear that. And I am actually honored again that you could actually take time to come back and talk about your experience. And I hope that everyone listening can take one lesson or one realization from your story and what we will be talking about. You know, in our African community, a lot of people don't understand that mental illness is real, number one. And a lot of people don't understand that mental illness can be different at each episode. You can react differently. And also people don't understand that it could potentially be reoccurring. Like in your situation, you had a relapse, right? Because some people will be like, oh, here she goes again, or here he goes again. Like, what is it this time or whatever? Like those are very insensitive words to utter when someone's going through mental illness. And worst of all, the worst thing that could ever happen, which tends to relatively be common in our African community is that a lot of people use mental illness against the patients going through it. You know, like if they want to shut someone down or if they want to debunk something someone is saying, they'll be like, oh, she's having an episode. Even when the person is not having an episode or she's having an episode again, that's why she's talking like this or that's why she's saying this. It's just a mental issue or whatever. So all these things are very insensitive. So the reason why I wanted you to come back here is just that we need to remind people that this is an ongoing thing. This is someone that spoke last year. She was in remission and she relapsed and she had already relapsed three times in prior years. So this is something that is an ongoing struggle. And this is just a call on all of us, especially us Africans, to be more sensitive to topics as such. Now, can you please tell us about your relapse experience in the last year since we spoke? Like I said, it has to do with emotional and psychological um, issues, which before coming on your on your show last year of May, which was Mental Health Month, I had been going through a lot of emotional issues. I know I talked a lot about my childhood experiences as one yeah. of the reasons or as some of the reasons why I became mentally ill. And I didn't want to touch on this particular topic, which had to do with my marriage being the focal point Mm. of me becoming mentally ill. I might talk in details, maybe on another episode of your show where I'll talk about marriage and divorce. I had asked for a divorce from this toxic and toxic marriage that I was in. Mm -hmm. So it had a lot to play in the role of me becoming mentally ill. So I asked for a divorce. So I would say this time around, the main reason, the main cause of my mental illness had to do with me dealing with the divorce and everything that was surrounding my divorce that is still ongoing. So yeah, so I had to go back into hospital because of the emotional and I didn't have support Mm -hmm. at the time and I had to go into hospital again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that you were going through this the last time. And even now, I mean, divorce is such a long and difficult process, right? I mean, I've, I've, I've seen people go through really, really horrible divorces. So I know for sure that divorce is not never an easy thing, even for people who don't have any kind of mental illness. So I can see how that is definitely a triggering event that could trigger you to relapse, actually. So to give people some kind of understanding as to how such an event can trigger an episode, like a psychosis episode, can you maybe in the, I like to say, I don't want to say in the safest way, but, or maybe yeah, in the safest way for lack of a better word, you know, can you try to explain some series of events that pushed you to that point, if you know what I mean. And you don't have to be too explicit, you know, just go as, as much as you can go without causing any damage. Yeah. So like I said, before I came on that episode, I had asked for a divorce from my marriage of about 12 years. And my ex-partner and I were still living under the same roof. Mm -hmm. 
So just being under the same roof with someone that where the relationship is not working is already a triggering point because yeah. you two are, you know, there's that tension. Yeah. So that tension builds up and you don't even have someone to talk about this to. Mm. So you are dealing with this emotional pain all by yourself because like I said, no one had a clue. I think this is the first time people officially hear me say this. Mm. Only very, very, very close people to me knew that this is what was happening to me. And I don't think I was having enough support that I should have had or the people that were around me offered this support, but still Mm. not in the best way possible. And I had to deal with things like, like, I mean, like I said, just being in the same space with my ex was enough trigger, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. So, and then I felt like I was so stressed because psychosis comes from a lot of stress. Depression comes from a lot of stress. I was, yeah. I knew, I felt it in my body when I was becoming mentally ill. Like I said to my psychiatrist last time that, I was afraid to go back into hospital because of the experience that I had in hospital the last prior to the, the, the last two times that I have been in hospital. I don't think I like the hospital setting, the experiences that I had in the hospital. I didn't like it. So mm-hmm. I was afraid to reach out. Whereas now I know better that when I start feeling too stressed, I can easily reach out to my mental health team to say this is what I'm going through this is what I'm going through and because I didn't reach out on time I had to go back into hospital Mm. because it was too late I became psychotic again and then I was back in hospital right so most of the times right we tend to focus on the patient right which rightfully so that is going through that that relapse or that event you know now we also sometimes forget to ask about the people that are depending on that patient. And in this case, it's your children. I believe I actually even forgot to ask about them the last time. So whenever you go through an episode, a relapse, basically, like how, like, are your children always aware? I know you have a seven-year-old daughter and how old is your son? The 10-year-old son, yeah. 10-year-old son. So they're well within the age group to know what's going on, right? So how does that impact them? Or are they there to see you break down? Or are they like, how how does all of that happen? And how does that impact them? In my previous episodes, which was the first time my daughter was about one year old. So I think she didn't really have an understanding. They were both very young. They didn't have an understanding of what was happening. And equally, the second time, they were still young. They didn't have an understanding of what was happening. But I think this that time, especially my daughter, because my son, he's non-verbal in a way. And so he doesn't really have an understanding of events or situations around him. Mm-hmm. But even though I was ill and in hospital, their dad is a great dad. So he looks after them when I'm in hospital. But this time around, the last episode is the worst episode of all the three episodes that I've been through. Because I was in hospital all by myself and my phone was switched off for a month that I Mm. couldn't even reach out to my own kids. But I had to get a phone, buy a new phone specifically just to speak to my kids and, you know, don't cut them off completely. So I was calling them on a daily basis to just keep in touch and know what's happening with them and stuff. Whereas if I didn't get a phone, I would have been cut off from my kids for a month. And I think that would have really been traumatic to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially they have been seeing me very close to that event. I was breaking, crying at home just with them. And then suddenly I'm not there. That would have been really traumatic for them. But like I said, their dad is a great dad. He looks after them every time I'm ill. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And so what challenges did you have this time? Wait, how long, how long did you, were you in the hospital for like this time around? Is it the, the time when you were in the hospital for one month or the last time? Okay. This is a very, very, very important part I want to talk about when it comes to the duration of your patient being in hospital. Because in our community, we don't know a lot about mental illness and mental health and how the hospital setting works. So mm-hmm. You can be in hospital for 72 hours if there's someone who understands that 
It could be because of a lot of stress. That's why you're in hospital and you feel better. And if your family is there, they can take you out 72 hours or 14 days. Yeah. Or you can be uh, um, in hospital for 28 days, which is the duration I was in hospital because no one was there to help me get out earlier. And because I stayed longer in hospital, I became more frustrated and I'll be tranquilized given these medications. And it keeps me in there longer and makes me even ill, like more ill. Mm-hmm. So yes, I stayed longer in hospital than out of love to. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say no one was there to come get you, is it that like, you know, because I know sometimes and I'm guilty of that sometimes, right? Sometimes when I have issues, I... I tend to not talk to people about them. I just Mm. try to deal with them by myself, you know? So, and I mean, sometimes you tell people and of course people reach out and stuff like that. So when you have this episode, sometimes is it something that you don't really feel comfortable talking to people, some people about it, or maybe people were just not aware that you were going through that in order for them to come and at least take, like make sure that they can take you out of the, the hospital Definitely not everyone can come into hospitals and just say we want to take her out. Right, of course, right, not right. Everybody. Especially when you're not like mentally alert. Like when it has to, psychosis has to do with you not having touch with reality. Yeah, that's true. So when I'm ill, I don't have touch with reality. I say things that are not real. Some are real. So mm. even when I say things that are real and not real at that time when I'm ill, Everyone is based on the fact that I say things that are not real. So the person who can take me out of hospital at that time had to be my ex, Mm. uh, going through a divorce. And so I was in hospital for a month by myself. So the hospital had to keep me in for the duration of time that the patient is meant to be there, which is 28 days. Mm -hmm. If there's no one to help you go out of hospital or take you out of hospital, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in there for a month. Right. So, I mean, here, I don't, I mean, I guess I'm not sure if the system is different in America because here patient can actually appoint a power of attorney. Right. And that's when you, when you have recovered from that relapse, right? Like now you can decide to be like, okay, I don't want my power of attorney to be my husband or my ex or my child or whatever. I can actually assign a power of attorney to be my friend or my best friend or some, my auntie or something like that. So if you were here, I don't know if it's different there, but if you were here, I probably would tell you that this is the best time to just do that. So that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think now, now it's what I would definitely do because yeah, that's what will happen in case, or if I ever have relapse again. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry to, to hear that, you know, like, you know, you, you had to experience this. I mean, like I can only imagine every other thing that was going on in your life in addition to, you know, that event. So like, did you also, I know we're talking also about psychosis and everything. Like, did you also experience like anxiety? And of course, I'm sure you probably experienced depression because I mean, bipolar with nomadic disorder as well. And also, you know, just going through such a difficult thing could easily trigger depression, right? So did you have any experience as well with anxiety and like what kinds of things, specific things were like triggering to you? I mean, in this case, you can get more specific so people can also realize that, you know, maybe I don't want to do this thing to this family member because it could be triggering to them. It could trigger their anxiety or it could trigger this. So you could maybe get go more specific. Yeah, I I definitely suffered from anxiety and from depression. My anxiety um, came from the fact that the triggers would be like unexpected events or if if I'm not expecting something and it suddenly happens, I become anxious, I'm shaking and my body is actually shaking. I'm in fear and there's chronic headache. Mm. I'm panicking. I have this panic attacks. Panic, like, yeah, panic attacks. Yeah. And just having like unease in my entire body. Or say suspense when someone suspends me, especially when a lot is happening in my life, when you have to do mm. emotional issues and stuff. When you tell me you have to tell me something and then you have to keep it for days, that 
I, I can't deal with that or I couldn't deal with that at the time. And so that really triggered my anxiety as well and everything that I was going through. Mm-hmm. As for the depression, it's definitely because, like I said, stress will lead you to become psychotic, like mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. amount of stress, which is what I was going through. Mm-hmm. My depression normally comes after I leave hospital from the per, um, previous experiences. And this time around, when I left hospital, or even while I was in hospital, I had I was in control of my care in hospital. I was in control of the medications as well. Like I told them, I will not take certain medications. I wouldn't take certain medications because they don't go well with me. I've been here two times and those medications did not help me. Mm-hmm. And so I could control what I took and equally make them understand that this is working for me. This is not working for me. Mm-hmm. M- meanwhile, the first and second time, I had no clue. I did not even know what I was going through. And so I know everyone, we know who we are when we are in a very good and happy place. And I came gradually, I started getting, when I left hospital, that was in July, August, September, October, November, I went into a depressive state. When I left hospital, I started skipping every day, just doing things that would make me happy, getting ready. Like you said, divorce is something that is very huge, not only for me who was going through mental illness, um, um, issues but for anyone 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 and I've had a lot of story of people becoming depressed even when they've never been depressed before yeah. going through a, a divorce so I was just trying to do those things that would make me happy which was working at the time but an event happened that I would not like to talk about here that really really hit me so 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 hard again that has to do mm-hmm. with my ex mm-hmm. and that hit me so hard that I went into a depression. And I quickly, because I am 100% sure that if I did not seek for help, I would have gone into hospital again. Mm-hmm. And I immediately reached out to my mental health team, to my psychiatrist, to my mental health nurse, and explained how I was feeling to, to them. And they stepped in quicker or quickly and helped me with my depression. Mm-hmm. Because, and then me, I had to help myself as well, because it's something I've been through in the past. And I had to use the same tactics that I used in the past. It's very, very difficult. My yeah. depression is an illness. It's something that is very hard. It has to do with your mind, you telling your mind, telling your mind to do things that it doesn't want to do. It's just like yeah. forcing a child to do something that they don't want to do. They're definitely throw tantrums. And so it's kind of, trying to force your mind to do what it doesn't want you to do because depression is your mind telling you to be unmotivated, not do anything, just lie there forever. But I had to fight that really, really hard because now I'm saying to myself, this is me. I am standing where I'm all by myself at this time. And I really, really, (laughs) I can't sit there and just, you know, not do something about this. Because it will not help me at the end of the day. No one wake me up from bed. No one is going to knock on my door in the morning to remind me that it's morning. No one. So, yeah, yeah. I just have to get myself up and keep going. Wow. Ooh, that's that's pretty tough. Sorry about that. So n- now, I, you know, it's it. I'm sure it, it must also have affected your quality of life, just the relapse remission, relapse remission, and all other struggles with mental health. It definitely affects quality of life. So, so far, how has that affected you, especially in terms of like work, you know, and just trying to get yourself back and do the things that you used to do before, you know, just, just living a, I, I don't even want to say stress-free life because I mean, that in and of itself is already like so much stress that you go through, you know, before you, you know, you, you relapse. And then when you get back, it's like just even the process, like I say, I don't even know how hospitals are there, but like, to me, the hospital is the worst place to be in, man. Like you have, you have no privacy, you know, you have no rest continuously. It's like every hour someone's knocking the door to take something, do a test, to monitor something, to give you something. So it's like, you just cannot, I mean, staying in the hospital for 28 days, I cannot even imagine myself doing that. So that in and of itself could be even stressful to you. So how has that affected your quality of life, especially when you you come out of the hospital and also just considering the fact that you always, you always have to take off work every time that, you know, you fall sick and stuff like that. 
yeah it's been it's been tough but i have you know reduced my workload and i don't do a lot like i've really taken time off for myself to completely heal because healing is a process it's a yeah. journey mm-hmm. that needs to be gradual so i don't put pressure on myself to be honest if i can do something i do if i can't i don't force myself to do it because if I put stress on myself or pressurize myself to do things, it's only going to make me feel worse. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing the past months is trying to come up with something that can motivate me. Because the whole of December, I was just in bed. I couldn't even tell myself to get out of bed. So Christmas, I was really in the heart of depression where I'll just lie in bed and I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. January, the same bed subconsciously I was telling myself that you have to do something about this you have to there's no way you're just going to lie here there's no way yes medication is there but to be very 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 honest with you I don't want to send the wrong message out there but medication sometimes is not the best option because it makes me feel worse yeah sometimes especially those de- and they make you dependent on yeah the yeah. person it makes you dependent on it too so I had to do something more productive, more um, sustainable that would, I did not want to depend on medications to boost me. I know I'm naturally I'm a jovial person. Naturally, I'm a happy person. So I was not asking myself, like, I said, I remember lying on my bed and I said to myself, who were you before you ever became mentally ill? Mm. You're this happy, jovial person. How can you get back to this person? So, you know, I started skipping again because normally I would try to do something that would boost my confidence because it's all about me. And so I started skipping ropes and I skipped that for the whole of February and March. I said, this is because the 8th of March is my birthday. I said, no, I can't just. You know, now I finished with my skipping for the month, which was a challenge to myself. What am I going to do in March? And. For somehow, I just one day at a time and do something positive every day. Yeah. Even if it's to, you know, a lot of people, when I put out my story out there, they were so empowered by the message that I put out there. And a lot of people kept asking, why have you been quiet? Why have you been silent? No one knew what I was actually going through at the time. So mm-hmm. kept saying to myself, I cannot disappoint the people who are depending on me. Mm-hmm. I could not disappoint myself to begin with and my kids as well. I have to, you know, do something to prove to people, not even prove, it's not like proving to people, but be mentally stable for myself first and equally empower people to know that, you know, it's an illness. Yes, you can become ill. Yes, you can get better. Yes, you can do something about it. Yes. So, yeah, with that at the back of my mind, I had to push myself out of it. Right, right. Well, that's a a good way to look at it. And that's a good way to look at life in general. So I want to applaud you for that and just keep doing what you do. I, I, for one, I always enjoy your, your videos, your workout and dance videos on social media. I know we've had a conversation in the past because I was like, how do you do those videos? And you were trying to show me, you know, so I think it doesn't only bring you some kind of relief, mental relief and just refreshes you it also refreshes us who are looking at you being happy you know i i really love that black girl joy just to see my sisters you know happy and just living in their truth and you know it's so inspiring so i just want to encourage you to do that sometimes i would imagine it's not easy i mean it's never easy all the time, right? Sometimes I just don't feel like recording a podcast episode, but I always remind myself why I started and it's a passion project for me. And it's something that I want to use my platform to have an impact on our community. And I think that just the short 15 second videos that you make or 30 second videos that you make, believe me, it has an impact. You know, it it helps people. It just, you know, energy is contagious. When you give out that positive energy, it's like, it just changes someone's day. So I know you're doing it for yourself, but I just want to let you know that you're doing it for way more than yourself and you should keep doing it. So what challenges, in addition to the fact that, you know, this time around, of course, you didn't have any power of attorney to take you out of the hospital and you probably spent a longer time or if not the same time that you spent in the hospital this time compared to the last time, what other challenges did you face while at the hospital this time when compared to the last time? Oh, wow. Like I said, this 
the first time I ever went to her studio, I had complete no touch of reality. Or even if I did at the time, I didn't know what was happening with me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to define what I was going through at the time. And then when I went there the second time, I could now define or I, I could now understand where I was at the times. The third time is I was, I would say, the first day when I was taken to hospital because of a lot of uh, tranquilizers to calm me down, which I say when you're really, really ill in that psychotic phase, then it's very necessary to calm me down so I could go to sleep and rest my mind. Trust mm-hmm. me, the next day I was feeling okay. And this nurse was like, this is the first time that ever had a patient like myself who could quickly pick up themselves because mm. the moment i when i got to hospital when the ambulance took me to hospital i didn't make sense of the environment i thought it, it looked more like it looked like a, a snack bar to me but the moment oh. they gave me yeah i didn't know where i was but mm-hmm. when the next day i taken the tranquilizers and then i came to reality and then I looked by the side of my bed. I could see mental health hospital. I already know where I was. I already know this is 28 days of me being here. And at that moment, I said to myself, what would I be doing in here for 28 days? Yeah. Because now, like I said, I had control over my medication. I could tell them I don't want to take those medications because like I said, some of those medications make you worse. They will make yeah. you, they keep, from my two experiences, they make me more psychotic than I was for those 28 days. So I, I lost touch of reality for 28 days. But whereas this time around the second day, I could already say, okay, this is a hospital. This is 28 days because there's no way I prove myself to them that I'm feeling better to leave this place. I was sectioned because I was sectioned for 28 days. So I have to be in hospital for 28 days. And I had to come up with a routine while in hospital. It's a hospital setting that I'm familiar. It was another hospital, but I'm familiar with their routine of how they do things. So Mm -hmm. I had to have a positive mindset while in hospital because I had to make my day not boring. I had to be of my best behavior because the moment they see that you're, you're, you're showing signs of distress and stuff, they will come and tranquilize you, give you these tranquilizers or this injection. Mm-hmm. Which, unfortunately, because I was so frustrated, a lot was going on in the world. I had my phone. I could see social media. I could see people that, honestly, I've learned a lot from my last experience because my community, the same people that I valued as family, I don't want to say, I don't want to say anything that will not sound like people have the right to live their lives because a friend of mine outrightly asked me to my face like so many people their lives they no continue because you did mental hospital because my expectation of how they should have treated me mm-hmm. was was too high I'll put it that way mm. so yes she was right in a way to tell me that and which was a lesson to me to understand that at the end of the day people have their lives to live So it's left for me to now do the things for myself that would, you know, help me and help the people who are depending on my story to, 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 to empower them. So I came up with a routine in hospital and to be honest, 28 days went by so quick, but I had episodes where I was given injections even when I didn't need them. Yeah. So there's there's one thing that I I wanted to add to what you just said or at least comment on because you may be right that your expectations were high. I mean, I don't know what your expectations were. But then again, one thing that I have noticed in our community is that when people are not able to help you or when people feel guilty for not helping you, they in turn transfer that element of guilt on you to make you feel like you're needy, to make you feel like you're expecting too much. Like you have to have that discernment. You have to draw that line between, is this really, do I deserve this as a sister, a friend, a brother, as an auntie or whatever? Or am I asking for too much? Because sometimes some people could guilt you into thinking that you you're too much basically you are needy and that kind of makes you like tone down your 
I won't even say expectations. Like nobody owes us anything, right? That's what I always tell myself. Like nobody owes me anything. They can choose to help me or they cannot choose to help me. That's fine. But I would never try to feel bad about myself for asking what, for asking for help in general. Your way of asking for help could be different from my way of asking for help. What you see as help could be different from what I see as help. But it doesn't mean that my help is being too, me asking for help in this way is being too needy compared to what you expect me to ask. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I, I don't want you to deem your light or, you know, or to, to lower your voice when asking for help because another person thinks that you're being too needy. You know, the right people will give you the help that you deserve. Right. So I don't want you to be too hard on yourself, if that makes sense. At the end of the day, we all know that nobody owes us anything. So at the end of the day, we are our best help. But if someone can help you ask for what you need, don't tone it down, because sometimes you will meet people that really want to help you. But because you toned it down, they will give you just what you asked for. And then you will be like, oh, I wish I could have asked for this, for this more. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to to throw that out there. I mean, I don't know your friend. I don't know what you ask, but I just want to throw that out there because especially patients who have mental illness in our African community, first of all, we're at a stage in our community where we are not entirely aware of the ins and outs of mental disease or mental illness. We tend to not take certain things seriously. We just laugh off certain things. So when it also affects how the, the patients ask for help, because how can I even ask you for help if you don't even believe what I'm going through? Right. So keep asking. I would say that keep asking for what you need and what you think you deserve. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say deserve because that's a sense of entitlement. But what you need, if you need help, ask for exactly what you need. Right. Or even more. But never, ever ask for less because you don't know who will actually help you. Right. And that also brought me to the next question I was going to ask, you know, because I was just going, you kind of answered part of the question because I was asking if I was going to ask if you think that your community, your immediate community out there has been, you know, more sensitive to your mental health. But for someone to say, you think our lives are going to stop, <laughs> that's not really being sensitive, even though they may have wanted to send the message to you, they would have probably done it differently because that's a little bit insensitive for someone to say that, you know, but personally, do you think that there has been a change in your community being more sensitive to your mental health compared to the last time? I would say it's been a 50-50. 50 in the sense that people who didn't understand me in the past started understanding me now. Mm. Started understanding because maybe they now have a clear understanding of why I have been mentally ill in the first place. They now have an understanding that, for example, a divorce can be so stressful to the point where it pushes someone with a mental or mental health, health uh, mental illness mm -hmm. history to go into relapse. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I don't have, a, like, like I said, that experience, what I just said in the previous, what I said that people were insensitive, it has taught me a lot about the people around me, the inner circle I had at the time. Now I know who to trust and who not to trust, if at all I even trust my own self. So it has taught me a lot. And to be very honest, I'll repeat even the last time I said, put it on my story. I know I'm not talking to everyone. And so even if someone is not sensitive, I don't take that too hard because I have people who labeled me as being mad. Mm. People said to me, if you're not going to take their medicine, cure their crease. Maybe me, I put crazy ahead. I had people who labeled me or people who said, oh, I know if you, I know if you go ask, uh, honestly, uh, sorry, uh, we're not only talking to a Cameroonian community, so let me speak in English. And people were like, I can't, I can't get something from that girl who had bipolar. And I'm thinking to myself, well, like I said, I'm not talking. This is already telling me that this person is not aware about that word because if they were aware, they'll not use it to label me in the first place. If you have an understanding, you've just heard the word or you've heard me put it out there on social media and then you use it to label me. So people have been very, very helpful, especially the online community. I must be very honest because 
I met new people. I've met people with the same, even especially on my TikTok. To be honest, I love my TikTok community because you meet strange people, people who don't even know you, people who can relate to your story. They don't judge you on that on that platform. People just connect to you. So people reaching out and even calling me, talking to strangers. So I've done a lot of talking to to, 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 to a new community of people who understand me. And the people who don't understand me, it's okay. Not everyone is definitely going to understand me. And I've come to that acceptance that if you don't understand me, that's okay. No offense. I would just, you know gravitate towards the people who understand me because I think being around the people that understand you would only help you to motivate you and encourage you because you stay away from negativity and you can only be with a positive mindset and mm-hmm. and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to also point out that, you know, sometimes we tend to speak to one another, especially in the African community in a very condescending way. You know, like it's it's so condescending, like we we have to be more sensitive while talking to people like this. This always keeps bothering me. We have to be more sensitive while talking to people, because just the way we talk to one another can literally send someone into depression immediately or even into psychosis. Like it's, it's such a stressful way to talk to one another, especially someone that you are well aware that has a mental illness. Like you don't talk to them as if they are less of a human than you are. You know, please, let's try to do better at talking to one another and showing more empathy to one another's experiences because it could be you. Mental health has no, I mean, it, 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 it yeah, it, it doesn't pick and choose. Like anybody can be depressed. You can, a traumatic event can hit you from nowhere and put you deep into depression or anxiety or even psychosis. So let's just try to be more sensitive while talking to one another, you know? And of course, mental illness is an ongoing battle. So it's not just a one-time thing like we both said. So what other things are you doing so far to prevent another relapse and also just to protect protect your mental health? Um, I've done a lot of self-retrospection, like sitting with myself and really talking to myself and eliminating a lot of things or digging deep, cutting off the things that don't serve me, cutting Mm. off the people that don't serve me, putting an end to toxic relationships, which I am not 100% there, but just being at peace with myself where decisions that I may come from me and I don't have to base my my decisions on the opinions of others like living my truth and being okay with it and being okay to talk about my story to empower other people and equally I've been doing a lot of skipping like I said Mm -hmm. and I've been doing a lot of meditations as well. I find meditation really really calming to me. Mm -hmm. It's really helped me to Essentially, I do it last thing I, before I go to bed, first thing before I wake up in the morning. And it really helps me. And just looking at the positive from everything that has happened to me. I don't blame myself. I don't shame myself. I don't feel sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's okay for anyone to, 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 to fall. But, you know, I've fallen many times. I've rose and I said, nah, I can't just, you know, Falling is a part of learning in life. That's what I've come to to, mm. to, to, to realize and to learn that every failure has a lesson. Yeah. And I've taken a lot of lessons from this failure. And I think those lessons are there to teach me and make me stronger, which is my 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 superpower. And I think um it's something everyone should do for themselves. Right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. So now what advice will you give to other people, you know, who are struggling with mental illness? First of all, you have to identify the reasons or the things or the causes for your mental illness. You alone know what the problem is. You alone know the things that are making you ill. Is it financial reason are you unhappy in a relationship are you suffering from childhood trauma are you suffering from a loss when you identify all of these things you now seek for help from professionals and Mm. or people with an experience because people without experience would know exactly how to you know help you go through this difficult um phase of your life Yes, I had to speak to people who have experienced or encountered 
exactly the same things that I was encountering at the time. And equally based, like, like, like just know that things happen to us for a reason. Yeah. Keep a positive mindset. I know there's something that 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 oh, what people always say to me when I'm depressed that oh be happy, keep positive, just be happy, just be happy. I say to them, if there is one person in the world who wants to be an impact and very happy and positive person, it's me. If you see me in this state, then know I need help. And the kind of help I want at this time because I'm ill, it's not for you to tell me to be positive. Unfortunately, that's not what I want to hear at the time. If you don't have better words to say, then don't say, just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe ask me, how can I help you? How do you want me to help you? I will lead you into how I want to be helped somehow, rather than you know you telling me to be positive because I'm in the dark place at the time. And all I want is to save myself. So if you're going through mental health issues, mental illness or anything that is and troubling you psychologically or mentally put yourself first yeah put yourself first before anyone else put your mental health like treat your mental health like you treat a newborn baby Mm. it's that fragile and do what makes you happy yeah because we've only got one life to live and it's very short Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do the things that make you happy because how I keep going on a daily basis is doing whatever makes me happy without having to 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 depend on anyone's opinion. So yeah, just be happy for you. But ask for professional help before it gets worse. Yeah. I'll just say one thing. When I'm depressed, I know I'm depressed. And I know I said to a friend, oh, I'm feeling depressed. Oh, don't say you're depressed. <laughs> Acknowledging that you have yeah, a problem. It's a problem. Of finding a solution to that problem. Because I know I'm depressed, because I know I'm not feeling myself. What next can I do to feel better? Yes. But our community, when they hear the word depression, they think it's a taboo. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't say you're depressed. Don't call depression upon yourself. When you have a cold, you say, I've got a cold. Yeah. (laughs) You're not calling it upon yourself. You have it already. You have it. You have it. You're going through this thing. So I have a cold or I'll go to the, to the pharmacy and get this medication. So I am depressed. I need medication. I need help. I need therapy because I've been attending therapies as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Coping skills and and, and other trauma-based therapies. So when you know that you're going through these problems, ask for help. That's mm-hmm. why I say go to the professionals. Don't take it at a community level because you can be discouraged by people yeah. who tell you, oh, don't say you're depressed. And when yeah. people tell you that they're trying to, you know, make you not ask for help in a way because mm-hmm. you, you think you're not ill, but you are. If you're ill, you're ill. If you're yeah. mentally ill, you're mentally ill, just go out there and ask for help. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of help out there for us. That's true. That's very true. Thank you so much, patience. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. You always have this insight, especially firsthand insight to the realities that patients, mental illness patients actually face. You know, I hope that the next time our conversation will be different. We will be talking more about, you know, how you never, ever went to relapse anymore. We will be talking about the good things you're doing to empower others to be more aware of mental health, which you're already doing, but we will talk more about that. That's my greatest hope. You know, here's to wishing you all the best, wishing you the best mental state that you have ever been, wishing you just, you know, the best things in life. Like I will be watching you on social media. I look forward to that Black girl joy that you always show us. I look forward to all things great, great health, great bank accounts, great life, just living your best life ever, you know, and moving past the mental illness or mental issues, um, even though it's an ongoing thing, but I really hope that you win that battle. Thank you for always coming on here to share your story and empower others. I really appreciate it. 
especially as a member of our African community, not many people have that boldness to step up and speak about their issues because they think people are going to call them crazy. People have called you crazy, but you still chose to talk about your own experience. And so I am eternally grateful. I don't know if you have any last words before we go. Um, I just want to say I am actually very grateful to be here. And honestly, I appreciate you for what you're doing. I've been I've watched some of your podcasts, others I didn't because I was really in a bad mental state, but hopefully this year is a new year for greater things for all of us. And equally that you use your platform to empower many other people to share their stories so that we can build a better community because we need the stories out there to empower people, not just to throw our dirty lenience in the public as Africans might want to perceive it, but Mm -hmm. I think telling these stories as they are it's actually empowering because i watched other people's stories i get inspiration from listening to other people what they've been through how they've overcome these issues mm-hmm. because the more we speak about it people relate to you know this is someone of my in my community she's been through this and she's been able to you know go past this issue this is what she did and this is how it helped her rather than listening to someone, maybe with a big following, someone who's made it in life, you might think, oh, I don't think this is true. But if yeah. it's someone in your community, just someone basic like yourself, then, you know, you're helping to make a difference in the life of that person. And that's my wish for you. And, you know, I equally wish that for myself to empower many more people with my story. So I wish myself good health to be in that best mental yeah. state to do yeah. that. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much, dear. I really appreciate those words and I wish you all the best and I will see you around on the next episode. Bye. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.